Hey, how are you? And welcome to the podcast. My name is Pat Stanzik. Each week, I'll talk with someone who's hopefully worth talking to for an hour or so. Today, we're here with ESPN.com's Wolverine Nation, Chantel Jennings. Hey, Chantel, how are you? I'm good, Pat. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. <coughs> uh, let's just get right into it, I guess. Uh-huh. I think there's a consistent theme with this first question, but how do we know each other? Um, well, I believe you you said you were a creep on Facebook, <laughs> so we can go with that. <laughs> We do have mutual friends, though. Yeah, so that's that's that. what I figured. I was like, hey, I'm not, <laughs> not that weird. I'm just kind of weird. Oh. I saw, I've seen your pre-gaming with Pat videos. I have a tank top. You do? Yes, I do. I have oh, a yeah, I sent you Pat one. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah? On my media blitz that I... Yes. I sleep in it occasionally. I spent all of that money that I made, by the way, <laughs> in like a matter of a week. So I'm a very professional businessman. Um, it's a great tank top, though. Yeah, I. For everyone pretty out comfortable there who wants to get one at the gym, right? Just. Mm-hmm. Yes, at the gym. You uh, you grew up in Dexter, right? Yeah, I my family moved from north of Minneapolis, Minnesota, to Dexter when I was in middle school, and so I sort of had the Ann Arbor experience, like you, I suppose. What was that like growing up in like a smaller town? Um, it was really great. I mean, I think Dexter is kind of isolated in some ways. It's a very, it's different than Ann Arbor. I think coming to the University of Michigan, there were a lot of new experiences, new people, new places to see um, that definitely weren't in Dexter growing up, but it was, it was a super safe place. Um, That's a good word to describe. (laughs) Safe, right? (laughs) Um, I mean, we have a great gazebo in downtown, and that's about it, really. And a Dairy Queen. <laughs> that's only open half the year. Which <laughs> I love ice cream, and I love blizzards, and I get so sad. Blizzards. They're closed about eight months of the year. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one more reason why winter in Michigan is really depressing. Oh, that's the worst. That's the biggest reason I want to leave Michigan right now, is just because every day I scrape my car <laughs> off, and it's just the most depressing thing ever. At least you scrape it. I just turn my car on and hit the defrost and let it go and, for like 20 <laughs> and minutes. And let the windshield wipers yep. go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll do that. I'm getting lazy in doing that, too. I had a, um, a cottage <laughs> on Joslyn Lake. Do you know where that is? I don't, which is surprising because it's so small. Yeah. Joslyn? Joslyn Lake. Is it a... No, I don't know. And we'd always go to Dexter's Pub and get wings. <laughs> yep. Gosh, I'm probably making Dexter sound so great. <laughs> no, it's a really great place. Um, I still, I mean, I have a few really good friends that I met growing up, and we're still really, really close. And I think that sort of close-knit community is definitely something I want for my kids when I get older. And what what was your – you played sports in high school, right? Mm-hmm. I am – I am the current record holder of the eighth grade hurdling record at Mill Creek (laughs) Middle School. Um, No, I ran track and I played basketball. Uh, I absolutely hated track, but I did it because my two best friends did it. Um, And it was really, it was a social sport. I played basketball pretty competitively. Well, I played basketball really competitively and I played um, AAU kind of all over. I played on a team out of Brighton and then my last few years I played in Detroit and so it was never, I never played with anyone from high school, and so track was sort of my outlet to... Meet friends. <laughs> I mean, to hang out with friends. <laughs> um, and it was, I never took it super seriously. I think I was naturally athletic enough to do well without trying too hard at one point. Um, one of my best friends, Jesse, who actually became a multiple or a multinational champion in cross-country and track, 
uh, at the collegiate level, we had a race to see who could eat the most Swiss cake rolls <laughs> before our events without our coach noticing. Um, and the problem was I, well, it was kind of, she was a two miler and I was in the four by one. And so my problem was that I was putting my team at risk. Her problem was she had to run two miles. <laughs> and so it was, so, it was selfish, I suppose, but it was, we were freshmen and I mean, it didn't really matter. We didn't do very well. And we both got in trouble for it. Um, as a result, I had to run the two mile. And as a oh, result, no. she had to run the four by one, which was really quite painful. Dexter has a pretty uh, impressive pedigree of runners. Um, yeah, they do. Male runners mainly. Yeah. Uh, they had a really good cross country team while I was in high school. It's kind of... <laughs> do you know um, Lex Williams? I do, yeah. Yeah, I know. He's a kind of a beast. Yeah, he. I think he's running professionally now. I go to, a, I'm doing rehab for my ankle right now, and I go to this runner's institute, mm -hmm. and there's all these, like, national record holders who come in, and everyone just talks about Lex Williams all the time. Really? Yeah. That's a really good way to feel good about yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I know Lex, and he uh, he was a year or two older than me, I think. One of my first stories I wrote for the Daily, actually, I think I wrote about the men's cross-country team, because I was, I thought it would be an easy in if I knew someone <laughs> on the team, that it wouldn't be quite so awkward, and so I picked men's cross-country. <laughs> I thought because they also had a boy who was actually my next door neighbor growing up, Bobby April, who ran on the team, and then a few other kids ran D one too. So why do you stop playing sports? Um, multiple reasons. I suppose the most obvious is that I got mono. Um, my junior year of high school, I was, I was moderately recruited. I wouldn't ever say I was heavily recruited. I um, I'm too tall to be. Too tall. too tall. I'm not tall enough. I don't enough. think that's ever a problem. <laughs> I'm not tall enough to be anything really great in basketball, but I was a pretty good shooter. And so I was recruited by some D1 schools, and I got mono my junior year during the AAU season, which is uh. kind of the big recruiting period for women's basketball. And I dropped about 15 pounds and lost all of my endurance, and so I couldn't. I had to sit out that season. Um, and so I really sort of lost the, the entire season mm -hmm. wow. because your uh, I think it's your liver expands or something. I don't know, there's <laughs> something can pop or burst in your body and Ooh. you can die. And so you can't play contact sports. Um, uh. And so I couldn't play that AAU season and I didn't get recruited, which ended up being a huge blessing because um, I probably would have ended up playing D1 or D2 somewhere. And... So yeah, I just went back for my senior year of basketball, decided not to play AAU that year because I figured I didn't really want to keep going, ran track, didn't eat any Swiss cake rolls <laughs> that year, tried to take it a little more seriously, um, but I was never very competitive in track. So, Did you start writing in high school or was the daily, was that your first? like? The daily really was my first. In high school, I was on the pre-med track, and so my mom is involved in medicine and so she has we I have two sisters and her goal is to like have daughters in medicine um, <laughs> and my older sister did not go into medicine she went to social work so she thought maybe I would and then I didn't um, but I got to Michigan and I for the first year and a half I did the whole pre-med thing with calc and bio and chemistry and I would fail that so fat I oh my god it's torture it it's my really... brain to just think about it yeah it was I didn't enjoy it but for some reason I had in my head that I wanted to go to med school even though I hated every single med class that I took or pre-med class that I took and I was sitting in biology one day and we were learning about tree bark <laughs> and I remember just spacing out completely and then coming to and sort of seeing tree bark on the slides and thinking 
there's no way that bark is made out of anything other than bark. And I just couldn't <laughs> wrap my mind around the fact that there was mitochondria or anything in tree bark. And I just realized I, this, that was your moment of <laughs> that was my moment. And I got up, I got up in the middle of class and I just walked out and I called my mom and I said, Mom, I I hate science. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I hate science though. And I think she might have cried a little bit. And uh, I called my dad and my dad said, you know, you love writing, you love sports, why don't you, you know, put two and two together, see if the student newspaper or maybe another newspaper around, if you could write sports. And I thought, well, that's a really lucrative field. <laughs> but no, so I went, I went to the daily and I, I started writing. And what, what was it like? Cause I've heard, I, I've never like had a friend on staff, but I've, I've talked to kids who have written for it and it sounds like it's I mean, obviously, depending on what position you take, but it sounds like it's pretty grueling if you have a full, full course load and you're... <laughs> yeah, um, I think grueling is a pretty good word. I think it, it really sucks you in pretty quickly if it's if it is something you love and, and then you don't really consider it sucking you in so much as you just giving all of your time to it. I My senior year, I was covering the basketball team, and so I was working at the daily about 40 hours a week and taking 17 credits, which really meant I Ugh. was <laughs> not working sleeping. 40 hours a week and not going to class. Um, I think most of my teachers really didn't like me very much, and I was an English major, but I think sports writing was so so different for me than analytical writing yeah. for papers, and I wasn't very good at that, and teachers assumed I was just lazy. Um, but I was, no, I'm working 40 hours a week. I'm, you know, my, my clips are getting published and I'm working really hard at what I do love. I don't care so much for the 12th century literature or <laughs> Chaucer. Um, but I really, really love, you know, Wright Thompson and Rick Riley. And they didn't, they didn't think that was really writing. That's, so. that's funny you say that because my, I had a similar tree bark moment, if you want to call it. <laughs> like I had an essay due and i didn't even own the books and it was due like in like six hours it was due the class was at 8 a.m it was like two in the morning and i was like well i can write this essay and try to bullshit it or i can write an essay about why i'm not writing the essay <laughs> because the teacher didn't actually look at our essays he would just walk around and see that you had you know a, a staple in your what however many pages paper right. So we were doing peer editing and I hand it to the kid and the kid just started dying laughing because it was just like, the reason I'm not writing this is because I don't own any of the books. And even if I did, I would have no idea what any of these moral theories are about. What class was it? Was it an English class? It was like a, it was at Bucknell. It was like a okay. law, it was like a, something like a law, morality and society class. And like, that was kind of my <laughs> moment of like, okay, like I can't take, I can't, you know, I can't do like the serious writing route of like, mm -hmm. like. It's like you're saying, like the analysis just wasn't for me. It was I'd your rather, bark moment. Exactly. <laughs> I'd rather just make stuff as opposed to analyzing other people's work. Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, it's definitely really different. Do you, now that you're done at Michigan, do you have regrets about being so busy during your time as a student? Um, I do and I don't. Uh, I lived in a house my senior year with four other girls. And they are the most wonderful people I know. And it was really funny because they they would have no idea. I would be gone for like four days at a time or something. <laughs> they and they would know. text me and be like, hey, like, let's go, let's go to the jug tonight. And I'd be like, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Like, I can't go to the jug tonight. And they'd be like, when did you leave? 
It was it was a running joke that basically I was they were really <laughs> glad I was there because I was paying rent but not using the heat yep, or the electricity exactly. or anything like that. Um, but no, I really I don't regret it just because the daily gave me an opportunity to do something that I love and find something that I love. Without it, I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am today. And it's I mean even so, I'm currently publishing a book for the daily that I'm working on. I love the place to death, and I the book has sort of been my way to give back because I'm not getting paid a whole lot for it, but to give back to a place that gave me so much. What's the book about? Um, It's a coffee table book. It is called Michigan Football Through the Pages of the Michigan Daily, and it chronicles the history of Michigan football as the Daily covered it since 1890. And so it's really, it's been super interesting uh, to read articles and columns from like the 20s and the 40s and... <laughs> It's just hilarious, sort of, even words that they use and oh, leads. I love looking at retro stuff like that. It's, it's so hilarious. <laughs> I mean, people were, they were so funny and they were so witty. And there was a lead from like 1920. A lead is just the beginning of a story. And it's supposed, it's supposed to be what grabs the reader. If your lead isn't good, there's no reason to read the next 400 words. But they used the word like scintillating in the lead. <laughs> and, and they say today, you know, right toward an audience you don't want to exclude anyone and i thought to myself would i ever use the word scintillating <laughs> in the first five words of a sentence i don't know but it was it was so funny and their names are wonderful oh um, just everything and like the way they describe the fans like being mm -hmm. rowdy even though it's just like they might have been like wearing like skimpy clothes which back <laughs> then was like rolling your sleeves up or something <laughs> a onesie with, yeah. with the feet showing. yeah exactly yeah no i mean and the photographs and i'm I'm learning a lot about history. I mean, we, we as in Michigan, won the national championship in 1918, and they only played five games because of the Spanish flu. It was this epidemic that kind of tore across the country, and all of these people passed away. And because of it, there were all of these rules about how teams could practice. And so Michigan was only practicing after dark because they <laughs> thought that then people wouldn't contract the disease. And so they had lights and they were practicing on the field when it was cold and just sort of you get a you get an idea of football's not just in this bubble. It really is a part of history and kind of makes you feel makes you see the different aspects of all of it. And it's been really interesting to do all of that. What's your, your best, you ended up being, were you the head sports editor your senior year? I was not. Um, my good friend Ryan Karchi was, and he's at the Bloomington Herald now. Okay. Um, but I was one step under him. It was just called a senior sports editor. What was your best story oh, that geez, you can talk about? <laughs> that I can talk about? You mean the best story I wrote? Or... My best experience? Experience. Oh, what, what was the best story you wrote, though? <laughs> the, the best story the, I ever wrote. Your favorite um, story. I I love grandpas, like old grandpa, <laughs> grandfatherly men. I think they're so cute. Um, both of my grandpas passed away before I was born, so I never had that. And I think I just, I'm obsessed with everyone's grandpas. And I got to meet Red Simmons, who is currently 102 years old. And he still has red hair, um, which is why he's called Red. His real name is <laughs> Kenneth. Um, but he actually started women's sports at Michigan. And he he was kind of a pioneer in his time because at the time, Don Canham, who the pool is now named mm -hmm. for, was the athletic director. And he went to Don and said, you know, I have this runner. I think she'd be really great. And she, her name was Francie Goodrich. 
she ended up running in the Olympics, actually. But he trained her like a guy and did weight training, and it was totally bizarre. And I think as a woman myself, having been in sports and now sort of in this guy's industry, it was really cool to talk to a guy who sort of pioneered that thought process in Ann Arbor, where you think it's such a liberal place, mm -hmm. but at a time in the 60s when they were saying, like, women can't run a half a mile. That's bizarre. No. Like, you don't, we don't even want them in the gym with us. And they would throw out her shoes and stuff. And he, I mean, I love the story just because it was a great experience. I don't know how good the story actually was, but I got to sit with him in his basement um, and just look at his old photos and talk to him for hours. And he's just the cutest old man. And, you know, just talking about World War II and the Depression and his thoughts about what was going on in Ann Arbor in the 70s and the hippies. And it was so great. Is, so, is he still alive? He is. Yeah. Wow. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> no, he's really great. Uh, he always he told me he wanted to work out together sometimes. So I should really <laughs> take him up on that. Um, he works out every morning, five days a week. What? Mm -hmm. He's 102? Yeah. He's, he says that the key to A, keeping red hair, and B, staying, staying alive, is just keeping a, a workout regimen going. So take that. <laughs> Jeez, I hope I'm still doing that when I'm 50, let alone 102. <laughs> he, he, you would never think the man is that old. And he has a sharp wit, and he's really funny, and he has a wonderful wife who's just a sweetheart who is actually a, a widow of one of the former hockey coaches here, and she's the only woman in the Michigan Hockey Hall of Fame. Wow. Hmm? So real quick, what's your best experience that <laughs> you can talk about? My best experience that I can talk about? Um, Was there any, any like crazy hectic moments or just <laughs> when wasn't there a crazy <laughs> um shoot i wish i would have thought about this more um i think probably we always joked about the fact that um the sports section always gets speeding tickets and i have a wonderful track record of crying my way out of speeding tickets <laughs> i i have cried my way out of a speeding ticket from a state trooper um when i didn't have my driver's license on me uh and i was in a, a how does that work do you start zone. Do, you, do you start crying right when they come to the window or how do, how um, do you do it i was with my father at the time and he said the waterworks started when the guy asked me for my when the guy the state trooper asked me for my my driver's license and it just i was like <laughs> i don't have it <laughs> uh, and he felt awful for me it was the day before my 17th birthday which uh -oh. meant that uh if i had gotten the ticket that day my curfew for michigan would have been extended another year because you're not allowed to drive after midnight i remember before that you're 17 <laughs> and had i got it was may 21st uh -oh. had i gotten a ticket that day my curfew would have been extended and um but no so uh, we, we always drive everywhere because the daily doesn't have a whole lot of money. And so you drive everywhere and anything under 15 hours is considered drivable by daily standards. <laughs> and so I have all of these great road trip stories, um, driving to Penn state in a snowstorm with a hybrid car that was about two inches <laughs> off the ground. that had no radio system with two guys. And so it was playing, uh, we were playing lots of games on the way there, but on the way back from Charlotte, North Carolina, which would end up being the last event that I covered for the Daily ever, I was bragging about how I had never gotten a speeding ticket. <laughs> and I was riding with a kid named Zach. We're going through, I think we were going through Virginia. We left at like, God knows what hour, um, but it was dark out, I remember. And Zach gets a speeding ticket in Virginia. Um, and so he, the cop told him, you can't drive anymore. The girl with you has to drive. So then I had to drive. 
and we're going through Columbus. And the Maze Rage had just tweeted from their account that they got pulled over by a cop in Columbus oh. and that they got out of the ticket. <laughs> right when we hit Columbus, I get pulled over. Oh my God. And this guy <laughs> comes up to the window and I was like, I'm really sorry. We were just trying to get back to Ann Arbor. I just finished writing on deadline. We covered the game. I had to do all this stuff. And he was not buying it. He gave me a ticket and I had to call my dad that night. <laughs> the Michigan license plate in Ohio yeah. just doesn't doesn't fly. Yeah, it was it was that's probably the best story that I can <laughs> talk about right now uh, without getting in trouble. So. Um you mentioned with the with the, your favorite story that you wrote about kind of the being a girl in a guy's world. Do you how do you feel about just with your career like do you do you feel comfortable or, or is there kind of like a a constant um like you don't feel I don't know how to say it. What are you it. trying I'm to just... say, Pat? <laughs> no. How does it feel to be a girl in a guy's world, I guess? Um, I think it's changing. I think more women are getting involved in it, which is great. And I, I think my mom has always been a really, really strong influence in my life, and she's a very strong woman. She uh, went to the University of Minnesota for pharmacy school for her graduate degree for her PharmD, and she was the first woman inducted into a professional fraternity there. Wow. Um, she kind of broke the barriers and just always sort of taught myself and my sisters that there aren't lines that say this is black, this is white, this is men, this is women, this is good, this like you just you do what you love and throw the rest to the wind. Um, and so I sort of always did that. I mean, I played on a boys soccer team in eighth grade and it didn't really bother me that much. I playing basketball growing up, I practiced with the JV boys team as an eighth grade girl it never really bothered me that much. So I think stepping into sports writing, it, it only, I'm only reminded when I kind of look around and I go, wow, there are 40 guys here <laughs> and I'm the only girl. Wow. Um, but other than that, it really. Is that uncomfortable? No, I don't think so. It's, <laughs> there are times in the locker room when it's mildly uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, it's a part of the job and you, you get used to it. It's every job sort of has those things that are uncomfortable in the beginning, but you just sort of get over it and get on with your life. And yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's a byline that it doesn't say Chantel Jennings woman. <laughs> uh, it just says Chantel Jennings in the story. It's not about me. It's about, you know, and I yeah. think in some ways it, it helps me because I think people might be more open to talk to a woman about certain things, maybe, um, but no, I mean it's it hasn't really affected me that much, I don't think. What do you, like you talked about how your mom wanted girls in medicine? <laughs> yeah. What's the, Sorry, what's, mom. <laughs> what's what's their reaction like now that you're that you're more established and you're making a career out of it? And what was it like? I know you said right like when you first decided she wasn't too stoked about <laughs> it, but are, are your parents pretty supportive in terms of what you're doing? I think they're still in shock a little bit. I think they're <laughs> incredibly supportive. They, when I switched to an English major, English is really my dad's thing. He like writes novels for fun and he was a college editor at a student paper. But I mean, for my junior year, I studied abroad in Europe for six months and my parents sent me a birthday gift and I thought it was going to be something really exciting because I was turning 21 and it was a book <clears throat> called I'm an English major now what? <laughs> <laughs> And so I think when I had finally, I got the job, 
with ESPN. It was a shock. It was a relief. Um, my, I think they're really proud. My dad and mom read everything I write, good, bad, and different. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think they're both really proud. They're both also really critical and they push me to be better than I am. They say, you know, always be better tomorrow than you are today. And so if I write a story, uh, they always have questions and feedback and <laughs> whatnot. It's just like, doesn't, was... doesn't everyone know <laughs> for true. everything? That is true. That's true. So no, they're, they're incredibly supportive and my sisters are supportive and yeah, they're great about it. And were you a, like a lifelong Michigan fan? <laughs> oh God. No, I wasn't. Um, I will admit it. When Michigan and Minnesota played my freshman year of college, I wore a Minnesota shirt. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Um, I became a big Michigan fan by my senior year. And then as a sports writer, you kind of lose it. Um, you just – I remember Adam Schefter was talking once, and he said – he came in and spoke to a bunch of people at the Daily, and he said to us, the longer you're a sports writer, the less of a sports fan you'll be. And yep. the sooner you can lose that fandom, the better writer you'll become. Mm-hmm. And I found really quickly this year, I mean, watching the football game, the football games, it's just so different when you're, you're not watching Denard, you're seeing, you're, I love Denard. That's <laughs> not who you're watching, you're seeing, it's not, did he complete the pass? It's why did he complete, complete the pass? What kind of coverage were they in? Were they at cover two? Were they at cover three? Is that why it worked? Is that why it didn't work? Why did he? Why didn't he gain yards? Uh, what's Fitz doing? Why are they lined up that way? And so you're analyzing everything and it's it's totally different. And I think with basketball, just because I've loved the sport much longer, um, I went to Dexter High School. So obviously our football team was never anything great. You guys, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think... Uh, Maybe the the only times I went to the games were when it was homecoming and I was on court. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I wasn't really a huge football fan growing up. And my dad, we had season tickets when we lived in Minnesota. And so that was really the only reason I was a Minnesota fan. But basketball is a little different. Um, do I watch sports in my free time? No, not that much. Uh, it's not It's not the same as it used to be. It's really kind of hard to sit and just try to take in an event anymore which is kind of I feel sad. like you've you've lost your innocence in a sense with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was i don't know maybe um i guess in a way it's kind of unfortunate i hope that i can still enjoy sports if i have kids that play sports i hope i can watch them play without sitting there <laughs> thinking oh that's the lead to my story they're in a cover too they're in- <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly um no i mean it's I didn't watch the Super Bowl this year. Uh, oh, I just I was talking to you about this. I watched it with like f- probably t- three guys and like five girls and even like everyone in the room had no idea what was going on. No one was everyone was talking during the commercials, which like is the best part. <laughs> right. and, but just hearing some of what like why are why did why are they punting the ball right now? I was like, it's fourth down. Like, oh my god! Like that was one of the first comments. And I was just like, I know it's gonna be like a long night. I just, yeah. I how do you like how do you feel about like you're so knowledgeable about sports? Like when you have to watch a game with someone who has no idea what's going on, what's that like? Um, I don't know. I think it's it's hard just because in society it's so acceptable to watch sports together. 
but if you were to go to like the theater and see a play you would have questions about why things were happening mm -hmm. certain ways why why is the spotlight there and you might be with the theater buff who's like gosh Pat's such an <laughs> idiot why doesn't he know this he's so uncultured yeah or if i were to go i mean i love musical theater but i could tell you squat about it or if you were to go to the opera or i don't know even if i went to a lacrosse game i because i haven't studied up on it i wouldn't really know that much and then you'd be like she's the worst sports writer in the world <laughs> um i think i think we're allowed to criticize it's almost acceptable to criticize those people because watching football's american and it's what people do together in the super bowl is a huge deal every year but i think it's the same thing as me not knowing about orchestra or band or anything else really i it might be annoying at that point, but it's it's their ignorance is the same as my ignorance. And so I'm not I mean, at a time, I didn't really know a whole lot about football either. Mm. So I can I can spit all the facts now, <laughs> but um, you can ask Pat Collins about that. And he, he was kind of my football coach when it came to everything. So Pat Collins from Pioneer High School. Yes. I'm good friends I with a Pat. former teammate of yours. I believe that's one of our mutual friends that <laughs> made you think I wasn't a complete creep. Mm hmm. Yes. <laughs> I didn't think you were a creep ever. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's what they all say. <laughs> what's, what's it like writing for such a huge fan base? Um, not, you, not you personally, but the University of Michigan. It's, I, I guess I haven't really thought about it. Um, I guess I don't necessarily think of them as huge as much as they're knowledgeable. Michigan is an incredibly knowledgeable fan base. Um, and so if you make any kind of mistake... I say <laughs> that a certain game in 1972, it was fourth and three. Someone will email me and say, you idiot, it was fourth and two. I think, oh, shoot. <laughs> they got me. Um, no, I mean, it's it's awesome because people are so passionate and they care about what you're writing. And you write a story that you think, I mean, we write about Denard after every single football game and people still care. People yeah. want, if, I mean, it's almost, you're writing almost the same cover and people still, week to week, they live and die by this. And it's that's so much more rewarding than writing for something where people could care less. Um, yeah, I was talking, I had Ace on one of the podcasts, and that was one of the big things he kept saying was it's just cool to get so much feedback mm -hmm. and get it instantly and get ripped apart if you make a mistake. <laughs> Whereas before he was writing mm -hmm. for, he had his own blog that he, he was managing and like no one was reading it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and Ace writes for MGo Blog, which is, I feel like every site sort of has their group of people that follow closely, because a lot of these, and I know ESPN.com, a lot of the stuff is behind a paywall, which a lot of people hate. Yes, um, but, me being one of those people. <laughs> right. No, it's really rewarding to be able to write for people that care, and it's, I, I mean, a lot of times, though, you find that good stories are in what I remember growing up, I used to read Rick Riley's back page column of Sports Illustrated every week. And I, it was kind of my first experience with sports writing. And I was always impressed with how he made me care about stuff that I didn't have to care about. Mm -hmm. um, he would write about just little things or people you didn't know or people you didn't have to know. And suddenly after 400 words, you find yourself really pulling for this character or this person or whatever issue he's writing about. And I think a lot of a lot of stories like Red Simmons, people don't have to care about this old man. Or I just, I wrote a story earlier this year about um, a former running back at Michigan named Ricky Powers. People don't have to care about what he's doing right now. They don't need, 
he's no longer on the team. Yeah. He hasn't been on the team for a while, but it's sort of those instances when you give people a reason to care about stuff that they don't necessarily need to care about that the fan base really, I mean, I think in Michigan, that's where the kind of the depth of the fandom yeah. comes into play. And there, most of the fans, like the cool thing about MGO blog is it's like, you have like the engineering fans <laughs> who are like, like Brian was an engineer and like is also a great writer. And then you have like the people who are like, the kids who are like my friends who go to the site and just refresh mm-hmm. it during class because they don't <laughs> want to pay attention during their like I wouldn't have gotten through college without that site because I would just <laughs> wait for people to update threads so it's just yeah it's just such a like unique and the comment section is just the comment section that's all I need to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah no they have great fan interaction interaction for sure with um the boards and the threads and everything that's that's really impressive that I mean, people, I always say that it's kind of the top 10% and the bottom 10% that comment on things on most websites where it's, if you're in the middle 80, where you're like, eh, or meh. Oh, yeah, I never, then you don't, I never, right. but I try not to. And... If you're the 10% that is obsessed and loved with it, or the 10% that was livid, pissed off, yep. so angry, those are the people who comment the most. <laughs> and so, but I think MGO blog has, the middle 80 actually speak up. Oh, there. yeah, I'd feel, com- I feel like I'll comment when i mm-hmm. most of the time i'll be like uh no it's not worth saying but on that site i feel like right it is worth saying because people respond and people appreciate your input i guess yeah it gives you kind of a, a community yeah. of fans that a lot of people look for i, I think, think people mostly just hate me because i plug myself on this site <laughs> but i'm trying to do less of it so i don't know what um with moving to espn.com though who who all comprise like the team that they hired um the current team yeah, like with Tom, with Tom VH is yeah, there, right? Yeah, Tom VH is there, and he was at MGO Blog. Mike Rothstein is there. He was at AnnArbor.com. Um, and then outside of that, my direct editor lives in Tennessee. My editor, my other editor lives in Connecticut and works at headquarters. And then my boss lives in Kansas City. So it's sort of, that's the nice thing with internet is you don't have to be in the same place. And they're able to sort of have this multi-platform uh, organization or whatever to have all of this coverage at Michigan and there's sites just like ours at Oklahoma and um, they're expanding more. It seems like almost every day, but like a new, like a new college or a new, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, they're covering. Um, How many are they trying to eventually get to in terms of just like the bigger colleges, each one having a site? Um, I think it has a lot to do with um, kind of the fan base because obviously, as I said, a lot of it's kind of paywall. So you want to find, a fan base that will pay for that, um, that will pay attention. Like I was saying, sort of Michigan fans are really, really energetic. They love their teams a lot. And so that was the fan base. And then you want to find writers that actually want to cover these teams. And it's a lot of different things that go together. I'm not a business mind by, <laughs> by any means. So I definitely, I don't understand how they choose, why they choose, where they choose. Um, I just know they chose a pretty awesome team to work with at Michigan. And so I've really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people at ESPN rock and they're really great to work with. And there were, if there were, there was another opportunity for me to work in a ma- at the magazine, ESPN, the magazine, and I turned that down to work here. And I, I don't regret that, but it's, you know, it's a different place. It's a different experience yeah. and different people. So are you looking to move into like, I, I've seen some, some videos that you've done and I, uh, I'm being called up by my roommates right now. <laughs> hey, I'm doing a podcast right now. They can come in. They can join in. <laughs> Yo, 
I'm, I'm doing a podcast. Uh, yeah, what's up? CBS Sports. Yeah. ESPN. Big Ten Network. Blog, ES, yeah, literally. Yep. You, you saw, saw all the updates. What, what's the rose? Is that for me? Uh, I got for Amanda. Uh. Some, some girl gave it to Dion and Angela Holloway. <laughs> so you to Amanda. Is it all on the main, <laughs> the main pages? Wow. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about, talk about it in a little bit. Hi, I'm Chantal. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> That will also probably be cut You're out. You're so famous. <laughs> I should be interviewing you right no. now. No. So, Pat, how did you get into this? <laughs> how do, do we know each other? Why do you have a podcast? Because I just want people to interview me on their podcast eventually. <laughs> <laughs> mm, that's so meta of you. I know. What? Oh, so we were talking about before. You we were so really interrupted. Are you looking to do like more on-camera stuff? Um, I think it's important to be versatile. Um, I think with how the proliferation of the internet and everything they don't just want people who can write anymore you sort of have to have your feet wet in a lot of different areas and so i have been on camera um it's definitely new it's different i i know that people have mixed reviews about it (laughs) um but i mean it's if it opens a door of opportunity then i'm all for it um, I was asked to do a radio show, and it's I guess it would sort of be like this, but I would only be talking about Michigan football. Um, I think the more the more skills you have, obviously, the more useful you can be to a company, and the more they'll want to keep you somewhere, move you somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if that if that happens, great. If it doesn't, hopefully, writing is you know something that works out. You're, you're thinking that's going to be your bread and butter, though. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, it's. There's a lot of different things that I'm passionate about. Writing is one of them. It's definitely not the only thing. Um, but I think there are, I get, I don't know, how should I wear this? There, I don't, hmm. Take your time. I know, for someone who uses <laughs> words for a living, I struggle I feel that way sentences. too, though. I feel that way too. Like, I'm. I'm trying to be a writer, and yet sometimes I like can't even form a sentence. So I always forget words, and I'll only remember the letter they start with. Like you know, it's it's like this, but it's it starts with an L. <laughs> I'll be like, what? No, it no, it starts with a C. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, it's like my Scrabble mind. Um, but I just I think there aren't there are a few feelings that are better than writing a story and having someone respond that it actually meant something to them. I think when you write a feature that, which is why sports writing is so great because it sort of gives you an opportunity to talk about life through a medium. Like I was saying, the Super Bowl is something everyone watches, but you can talk about Tom Brady. And in that, whether it's you're talking about Tom and Giselle and that relationship or the struggles or whatever, you can take aspects of that and talk about life and adversity and struggle and triumph through sports, which is a medium that people actually read and actually care about. And so when you write a story, um, I wrote a story about Beauchamp Beckler and how his wife cleared out his office earlier this year. Um, It was actually for the five year anniversary of his passing. Um, And it was really cool to talk to Kathy Schembeckler and kind of hear about cleaning out her, her husband's office after he had passed away. And I got this email from a woman that said, you know, I've been struggling with getting over the the death of my husband. And this gave me hope. This gave me a reason to see that other people have done this. And when you can write something that actually means 
that much to someone or gives people lessons or just starts a talking point among groups of people that are the same or different or anything, I think that's really, that's where I get the most joy in my writing. And if I can do that for the rest of my life, I would be extremely lucky. You win the prize for deepest thing that has ever been said <laughs> on this podcast so far. Yes. I was actually, I was shooting for it. I was waiting for you <laughs> to give me the opportunity to go into that tangent. Um, of course, it comes after me struggling to find words. So people can temper both of those together and hopefully come out with a happy medium of who I actually am. Your, your stories, I, I see some parallels to, to what I'm doing, I guess, with with sports and how things didn't work out with that. And you say that you don't, you don't regret, you know, getting, cause if you hadn't gotten mono, you wouldn't be doing this right now. Yeah. Thank God for my boyfriend <laughs> junior year of high school. He gave it to you? I think so. Yeah. Mono is a really interesting disease. I've actually had it three times, which they say you can only have it once, but there's a very small percentage of the population that can get it more than once. And I mean that. Fun fact. It's just, it's crazy how those little things end up altering your path so much, I guess. Do you th I mean, you said that it was lacrosse that kind of didn't turn out for you that got you into this. Yeah, it was, I guess, I, I like made a, I have like a picture in my house somewhere. It's like, you had to write what your goals, like, like your, your one biggest goal. And somehow I was, I, I don't know how the teacher approve this but I said I want to be in the NHL the NFL and the NBA all at the same time and it was like a picture of me like on the ice rink with a basketball and a football and I like legitimately thought I was going to be like at least a two sport pro athlete I was like maybe three like two, two one at the middle you know big Michael yeah Jordan. and so I just like I don't know I guess just sports not working out for me it's just I I'm never going to get the same kind of rush from writing something I don't think or mm -hmm. from posting a video or whatever but I think it's like you said like getting getting the feedback is like the most mm -hmm. awesome thing because that's really what playing sports is and just like observing it is it's just it's a performance it's mm -hmm. like a work of art in a sense so it's mm -hmm. I guess I'm gonna miss I hate going to the gym now because it's like, what am I training for? The only reason, the only reason I'm going to the gym is just like for vain, selfish reasons. And it's like, I have nothing to channel it into. No, you're, you're taking red symptoms. Exactly. I'm trying to live until 102. So I guess, I guess that's a little frustrating that it didn't work out. I'm always going to yeah. be like a little bitter, but I am now that I'm getting onto this path, I guess I am kind of happy the way things have worked out. Cause I think if, if I had had a better athletic career, I might have mm -hmm. been more content to just kind of, do something I guess I'm I'm trying to make this what my athletic career couldn't be in a sense I mean I think I think everything sort of has a funny way of working out I don't think not everything in my sports writing career has gone exactly how I would have wanted it I remember my junior year of college at the at the daily what you do is you interview to be on beats which would be writers someone who covers the team every single game so that's what I did my senior year with basketball um in my junior year, I went in for basketball beat interviews, and I didn't get it, um, and I, I was pretty devastated, um, but because I didn't get it, I got to go abroad to Spain for six mm -hmm. months, which was... <laughs> I never got to go abroad. <laughs> I'm already jealous. Oh my gosh. It was one of the best, if not... It was just incredible, and so it was one of those things where I was devastated at the time. Um, I was really upset about it. And even I remember like getting on the plane for 
going to Spain and at the time that's when the basketball team had these like high hopes and there hey, were... Mitch McGarry next year yeah yeah exactly that, that was the year I think they ended up not making the tournament that year right Two years I don't ago. know I've 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 never been a Michigan basketball fan just because they were never <laughs> it was like post fab five and then mm-hmm. I just grew up with disappointment yes um, <laughs> but I remember following the team that year and just thinking I was in my bedroom in Spain watching or you know the score boxes and whatnot thinking oh I'm not there and then I thought to myself my god I'm in I'm in Sevilla Spain I'm living in Andalusia what how is this not working out for me right now and so I think you know with sports it didn't work out for you but you've sort of created this career now you're everywhere with I love Denard and maybe he'll be in your next video I'm hoping. Um, I'm pretty sure he's not listening to this though, so there's no reason for me. <laughs> um, but you know, I think I think things have a funny way of working themselves out. So going forward, what are what's what are your aspirations? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's. I guess you said your one goal was to be a three sport pro athlete. <laughs> as a that was back when I wasn't realistic, though. I'm a little more. Mm, okay. A little more realistic now. Not much. Um, well, I, I think my goal that I wrote in my first grade class was that I just wanted to be happy. Um, and I think I've sort of kept that with me my whole life so far. Um, I was a really, really deep six-year-old, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be happy. I'm sure there's like a smiley face and a <laughs> pony on the paper. Um, but no, I think if, you know, as long as writing is what I love and as long as I'm happy, I'll keep doing it. If at some point this brings me absolutely no joy then that probably means it's time for me to move to spain and become (laughs) an olive farmer or something (laughs) i don't know uh but i think yeah my ultimate aspiration is definitely just to be happy is that's such an ann arbor thing to say yeah (laughs) i should go to the farmer's market now um no i mean i would love to become more of a feature writer because i think i i think covering the beats are really fun and it's great being able to go to every football game and every basketball game. And I know there's a lot of people out there that would like kill for yeah. that. Yeah. But it's a pretty good perk of the job. It's a great perk of the job. Uh, but I think, yeah, I, I long form writing is more where my, my passion is for writing. And who knows though? I mean, four years ago, I would have never thought I would be here. So four years from now, I'm only going to be 26. So who knows what I'm going to want at that point. Pretty deep. <laughs> I don't think. Oh, I'm sorry. I, no, it's sorry. a good thing. I don't want to be too serious on this, but this isn't helping your humor career, though. Oh, yeah, I'm not. I want people to know that I'm not just trying to be funny. Hat Stansick, funny guy, and but serious, not all the time. Not all the time. I think that's that could be your tagline. No, my my tagline is loved by few, frowned upon by many. Oh, that's a good one. Because I'm very socially unacceptable. <laughs> Well, you've been very respectful this whole time. <laughs> well, I should long. probably end it before anything <laughs> socially unacceptable happens. Okay. Um, I'm Pat Stanzik. Thanks for listening. You can follow Chantel on Twitter at Chantel Jennings. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Stanzik. Um, thanks for tuning in. See you soon.